welcome back to the Performance for Life podcast. Yeah, yo. It's been kind of a minute. It's just us. I'm excited to be back. Just the three of us. When was the last time we did a Just Us? I don't even I don't know. know. And I hope you all are enjoying the podcast up until this point, because now we're at 16 or 17 episodes at this point. Yeah, boy. Damn. Yeah, boy. So, Chris, man, let's open yo. up the door. Yeah, man. I want to talk about confidence today. Where confidence comes Mm. from, what our role as coaches is, as far as confidence goes. Because, you know, today I realized, I realized how much we as a society, as lifters, I think in general, we seek approval. Yeah. We're constantly (laughs) seeking approval. Approval and, and and the question becomes why? Why do you need someone else to say, hey, you did a great job or you're doing it right? Why can't we as the individual, as the athlete, be satisfied with what we've accomplished? And where my frustration comes from is I see the potential in athletes. And when they're when they get in their own way, that's the frustration because you see it happening. Mm, yeah. And they're looking for you for your approval. They're looking for you to say, man, that was a great job. And inside of me, I'm, I'm, I'm like, when are you going to say, hey, I'm doing really well? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I yeah. feel like I hit that depth. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a con- that confidence comes from it's, it's an internal confidence it's there's no ego involved at that point and what it comes down to and it's it's crazy because i'm thinking through this right now it comes down to self-acceptance man yeah yeah i think as a coach you have to create that environment because you know these kids are especially like you're saying the the gifted ones that kind of get in their way maybe it's laziness or maybe they got a parent who you know has those high expectations of them I mean, I could, I'm pretty sure you know some athletes that you played with, Chris, that they were probably naturally gifted, but they probably didn't actually enjoy playing. They just probably did it just because of their parent or the pressure from coaches or obviously for, you know, when we had Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. When we had Anthony on, Laz, you know, Big Laz, shout out Big, big Laz. Yeah. Big Laz, you know, it was his ticket out. I mean, he played through an ACL injury just so then that way his scholarship wouldn't get taken away. So I think, you know, you get these kids, they're coming up, you know, they're, they're training with a a strength coach. They want to get better. But at the same token, it's like when the athlete gets in their own way, not on purpose, but maybe they just, they don't know. It definitely is your job as a coach to build that rapport, to build that trust first, you know, build that connection and that relationship that, you know, I'm just not a guy that's going to count reps for you. Like I actually care about you. You know, I want to see you succeed and I want to see you get better and progress. And if the athlete doesn't feel that from you, I mean, there's not going to really be that reciprocation and buy-in from the training program to the nutrition, to all the things that you're telling them. Right. So I think definitely as a coach, you know, cultivating an environment where, like I said, you don't come off in a way where you're up here. You know, you kind of have to meet them where they're at, you know, from their standpoint, because they're coming into your facility, you know, a little bit intimidated, depending on where you work at. You know, they don't know you. So they're right away. They're judging. You know, how is this guy going to coach me? 
Is this, is he going to be a micromanager? Is he going to be a military kind of drill sergeant kind of guy? You know, they're thinking about how is this coach going to be? Because I remember certain coaches impressions, you know, from playing freshman year football and my thoughts about them and my attitude was, I don't give a shit about what this guy says. I already tuned him out just from how he presented himself, you know, physically and then verbally and how he treated us too. And I think the great coaches that are able to get that buy-in from the athletes is talking to them like a human, not just like an athlete, but, but, but really investing in the individual and really understand the person first before you get into the nitty gritty of program design. And this is what we're doing because if they're not bought into you, they're not bought into the program. If they're not bought into it, then they're not going to put in the effort. So I think it's I like that. A, I feel like, like when you're saying buy-in, do you, what I'm thinking is like trust basically is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, trust. So a client or an athlete or whoever like trusts you. Right. You know, it's like, it's powerful because, you know, some of these, especially with younger athletes, like our, our kids and even adults, they don't, some people don't have someone in their lives that they feel like they can actually trust. You know, like mm-hmm. think of a kid whose parents are, you know, because as children, we know we watch our parents, we see our parents. So it's like by watching them and seeing them, we see how they are. So having an outside person in their life to create trust and create that connection is like, I feel like so, so important. Yeah. I mean, I had, I was just having a conversation with an athlete today. You know, he's been on vacation these last two weeks and he didn't really do anything as it relates to the nutrition program. I told him, and he's a water polo player. So he's already lean. He's muscular. He's pretty strong. So we're just trying to kind of just improve his strength and conditioning overall before his season starts in about a month. And, you know, I told him, I was just like, Hey, like enjoy yourself. But if your goal is to start as a sophomore on the varsity, there's expectations that you're going to have to meet for yourself. You know, you're going to have to be on top of your nutrition. I mean, do the best you can. And, you know, our conversation always kind of goes back to, well, what's the goal, you know, reminding them what, what's the purpose you're here? Why did your parents pay money to send you here? It's not just so then that way you can get out of the house and do something because if it's that case, then obviously you're not going to get to your goal. You know, you're, you're not, you're not progressing towards anything. You're just there, you know? So be honest with yourself and what, what is it you're trying to reach for? And I think as coaches, we have to remind our clients like, Hey, like, you know, what's the bigger picture? You know, I know you don't feel like doing it right now. I know you got other things you want to do, hang out with friends, go out, you know, you, you want to live your life. I get it. But at the same token, it's like, Hey, how can we still have that balance with your goals? And then also what you want to do too. So I could, I could definitely tell in his body language when I was talking to him today, like just, Hey, you know, like if you're going to go out this weekend, if you're going to have fun, do it, but make it a point at some point to plan what you're going to eat for the week and, and make a schedule and actually say at this time, at this day, this is when I'm going to have my breakfast, lunches, and dinners. This is what I'm going to eat for my post and pre-workouts nutrition, you know, before practices, after practices, because he's training like two days basically with me and then with his team. So he, he comes into the training session and, you know, he's, he's tired, you know, he's exhausted. So at that point, right. Me pushing him and telling him to go harder, isn't going to help him make results. It's hey, dude, you need to eat more because you're not eating enough. And the food you are eating isn't quality like hot dogs and 
And, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches aren't going to cut it. Like you're going to need some bigger meals, whole foods, like emphasize more carbohydrates, less um, wiener schnitzels, <laughs> less wieners. And, and yeah. And, but like he could, I could tell just like, you know, he was more a little bit receptive to it today because I mean, he almost puked basically today yeah. from our workout, you know, after being out for about a week and a half. So, you know, but I think, like I said, you have to get to that point where they are more open to you as a coach. They trust you that I have your best intentions in mind. You know, I have no agenda. My agenda is just to make you better. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like that in itself helps build confidence because like, it's like when we trust in ourselves, I feel like for myself speaking, the times where I felt the most confident in my life is when I'm, you know, I just have trust in myself and I believe in myself but truly, and not from like a cocky, egoic standpoint, but from a place of like, I got this, I trust myself. This is, you know, I'm on, I'm on the, the right path. And I feel like it's so important to like, as coaches to throw in those little golden nuggets, like to our athletes and to our, our, our clients, because like some people, they like don't believe in themselves. And, you know, I feel like it's a result of their past, you know, whatever, whether it was childhood or, you know, having a partner who was like, possibly verbally abusive or something. It's like, it's deeper than that. So I feel like when us as coaches are able to like, be like, listen, you're doing really well. Like, I'm really proud of you. Like keep doing what you're doing. Even just that is like, yeah. they may have never had someone say that to them in their lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's really powerful to, to hear someone, especially that someone looks up to and aspires to, because I would go out on a limb and say that us three are pretty good coaches and most of our clients probably really do look up to us and trust us. And so to have that person say that, I know what it's like to have someone who I look up to say something like that to me, like, Hey, you're doing great work. Like you're on, keep doing, doing what you're doing. And it's like, damn, right. It makes me remember, okay, I am on the path, you know, right. I am, you know, on this journey. So, you yeah. Know. Yeah. We all, we all want to feel validated to some degree that what we're doing is working and it's putting us towards where we want to go, you know? And I think when it comes to, you know, performance athletes, general population, whoever the, the thing is, is most people don't know what to do providing that step-by-step -step plan, you know, Hey, like make a plan for the week when you're going to eat. Cause that's for the most part, most people's problem is just time management and forgetting when to eat. I actually have been noticing that most people struggle with getting enough food because when you're under eating for so long, you know, your body gets adapted. So your body doesn't really crave any more calories than what you're already putting in. And especially if you're eating processed food and fast yeah. food all the time, then, and then your body kind of gets full from just the processed foods. It doesn't really want any whole foods, you know? Yeah. So I always, like I said, and I, and I try the to addiction component to that, you know, and then there's the addiction to those processed foods because of that, that dopamine mm -hmm. hit you get when you smack those teeth in that big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> or that white castle burger. White castle. Huh? But what I did want to say too, on, on top of that, Pat is like, I don't know if you guys find this, people have a hard enough time drinking enough freaking water, dude. Like I have clients who are like, I'm like, how much water have you had to drink today? It's like two in the afternoon. It's like, oh, I had like a, a 16 ounce water bottle. And I'm like, it's 90 degrees outside. Yeah. You know, and you want to lose, you want to lose weight and, and it's challenging. Those conversations can be tough. Feel me? 
Player. <laughs> I was just like, where is he going with this? I want to just know what. Okay, okay. No, 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 because you were. I, I want to hear this. more about this water. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I felt like it was a good tail off of what Pat was saying about people not even eating at the right time or eating enough or eating the right foods. It's like people are having a hard enough time doing that. It's like, and I was just saying, like, people have a hard enough time even just drinking water. So, like, just. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's something yeah. I see a yeah. lot of people struggle with. I hate to make it like so basic and so simple, but if you want to feel good, <laughs> you got to do put, shit. Take don't, action. Don't put crap in your body. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. But do the, like, do the work though. You got to do the work. That's yeah. The yeah. Most people don't do the work. You got to do the it's work. Like put in the work. And sometimes, dude, it's so funny because like sometimes it's, I feel like I'm in a space where it's like, okay, I got to have compassion for this person. You know, they were, they were raised in a household, blah, 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 all that stuff. Like they never were taught how to eat right. And they've built all these habits, but it's like, at the same time, I'm like, this is what you have to do. Just eat whole foods, try to eat all organic. If you can drink a lot of water and exercise a couple of days a week. And it's like, yeah. that's still, it's like, yo, 80, 20 rule, man. Come on. And the, thing, and the thing is, you don't want you don't want to build like a codependent relationship. I guess it's good to make money because then they depend on you for everything. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I, I that dependency that people mm-hmm. that clients start gaining, right? That that attachment, it's kind of scary because it's like, dude, if I get hit by a bus after this session, what are you gonna do? Right? Yeah. Well, damn, that escalated quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it escalates real fast. I can't remember where I, where I was reading this, where this came up, but it came up somewhere and it talked about the role of a teacher. And it was just like, the role of a teacher is not to, not to tell you exactly how to solve the problem, but to show you how it could be done. Yeah. Like point you can't you get a horse to you, water, but you can't get the horse to drink the water. Is exactly. That, yeah. Pointing them in the right, in the direction. Like I'm going to point you in that direction and that's my coaching style. I'm going to point you in that direction, but I'm, I am not going to do it for you. Yeah. That's cool, I'm man. Gonna, Cause that I feel like that in itself helps teach confidence. Cause it's like, you need to learn how to do this because like you said, you know, there have been clients that I work with who become so dependent on me to keep them accountable and this and that. And it's like, eventually it's like, I want you to be able to go off and do this on your own and not, it's one thing if you want some, I pay for someone, a coach to write my workout programming, things like that. Yeah. That's one thing. That's one but thing. Like to have to have that person like hold your hand. I was talking, there's these monthly calls, like through the Czech Institute, there's monthly calls as a Czech, <laughs> like being certified through there that we can go on and they have different speakers every month. And one month it was Angie Czech. And I was telling, explaining to her, one of my clients, I'm like, listen, like I've been working with this client for like two years. She still doesn't do anything that I've told her to do. Hasn't mm-hmm. lost weight, but still continues to pay me. And she was basically saying like, it used to be like that for her when she first started, but she realized like when she would go away for a week on vacation, her clients wouldn't work out. Cause they would be like, I don't know what to do because yeah. they're not actually listening. They're just like going through the motions. She said like, sometimes you kind of have to have that hard conversation with that client. Be like, listen, like, where are we going with this right now? You know, like, is this worth both of our times? And of course, saying it in a way that's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. not like, this is a waste of our time. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's why they're paying us too. You know, like they come to us for motivation and accountability 
And like I said, it goes back to reminding them why they're there. And I literally just had a conversation with my client the other day and the book, what is it? Fat loss starts on Monday. Really good book by Dan John and Josh Hillis. Josh Hillis is a nutrition guy. And then Dan John, obviously one of the OG strength and conditioning coaches in the industry. In the book, he talks about someone being lean and toned is usually going to be the strongest person. So if you're really strong, you're going to be lean. You know, obviously you with the lower body fat percentage, you're going to see your muscle definition. And that's what all people want. You know, most women want that. Most men want that. So I told her that the thing I read and she's like, that makes sense. And then I redirected it towards our heavy lifting because she doesn't like to lift heavy. She mm-hmm. gets really scared about it. And I'm talking about like tens on each side for like a sumo deadlift. Like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. But in her mind, she is so fearful of it and so hesitant. She doesn't like to do it. So she always complains. And then at that point, most of the session is just arguing. I'm just like to the point where, you know what? We're not going to do it. Let's just do circuits, you know, make her sweat, make her burn, whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I, I realized from reading that book, if I can use, you know, different analogies to kind of connect the dots in her mind, then she's going to get the idea, shit, if I want to be lean and toned, I got to lift heavy. I got to get stronger, you know? So as a byproduct, when I kind of say, Hey, we got sumo deadlifts today. We're going sets of six to eight. She's like, okay. And she does it. And she did it with good form. Like her form's great. You know, she just needs to practice with it. And I told her like, you're headed in the right direction, but I did one thing different in our session that I have never done before. I kind of like grabbed her by the shoulders and I was like, Hey, that was fucking great. Like you keep yeah. doing this, you're going to fucking get the results you want. And I really like, I looked her in the eyes. I was like really clear with it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I wanted to make that a point, like do this more often. You're going to get the results. Yeah. And, and I think it's just that, I don't know, like it, it's for her. I just, it seemed like the rest of the session, her effort was there. Then it's yeah. And that's the type of stuff that I'm talking about with like, I feel like that in itself would be like help build confidence for her. She's like, hell yeah. Like I'm on, okay, I'm on the right path. Like, you know, I got to trust this and, and get back into it, you know, kind of it, going back full circle to that. It, the, uh, it, the, the thing is it takes, so you've, you've planted that seed, right? And my whole point is just because we plant the seed, it takes the individual to nurture it, right? Yeah, it takes definitely. that person to nurture it, to nurture the seed and watch it grow themselves. Rather than taking like the victim role. Exactly. Because it's like if somebody's believing in us and instilling these golden nuggets of like, hey, you're doing it, like, hey, awesome work, this and that. Like that's like to nourish that comment and and hold that deep because, you know, it's just like I think of myself when I will go into like negative spaces or start kind of being hard on myself or look down on myself. I have Mm -hmm. to remember, I have to bring myself back to like my center and my purpose, you know? And it's like if, if I let myself get away from that or anyone, it's like, we go to that. I don't know for you guys, but I go to that place of like starting to kind of put some pressure on myself, looking down on myself. And I'm like, Whoa, that's not, that's not me. You know? I think what really ties in with this, it's kind of that analogy of you can bring the horse to the water, but you can't make it drink it. Wait, Didn't you hear me say that? Yeah. He wasn't listening to you. That's why. 
Uh, (laughs) That's why he had nothing to say about the water. (laughs) He was just staring at me with a blank face the whole time. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) We got to have our, those are come on, man. Segments. Those are the the best, man. Come on, man. Yo, what do you think about, um, what's her face? Uh, Track style. Oh Please. my God! Bro, Marijuana. Just, what happened? What happened? She, so, what's what is her name? I I, I want to make sure I, I get her name right. I thought I you were gonna it. say, "Yo, what do y'all think about Bill Cosby?" Oh, yo, no, that's that's the next topic. But <laughs> Shikari. So she got suspended for a month after a failed drug test. Marijuana. Yeah, buddy. Oh, I still, dude. I still. I mean. Doesn't even enhance in performance, so that's, well, that's the weird the thing. thing. They consider marijuana a performance-enhancing drug, and I guess there could be arguments on both sides. I've heard Ben Green- Greenfield speak of the benefits of marijuana and how it can actually aid in some forms when used properly. But like, I don't know. Do you guys think it's a performance-enhancing drug? Listen, Chris, <laughs> listen, Linda. They're sitting there legalizing the thing all over the place, right? <laughs> And then you're going to sit here and say, like, something's not, something's not balanced here, right? If, if, it's, if it's legal, in the state she, that she was in at the time, smoking was legal. But then you have whatever the board is, right? The, I guess the Olympic board. They need to update their rules to the time. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down They're to. stuck in the 80s. <laughs> now you, you got this, this superstar, young athlete, right? And you're slapping your hand for it because she smoked. She smoked weed. I think she I went think, to Stanford too. And she got like her master's in like biology or something. Like she's a smart girl, like athlete, yeah, I'm not, I'm, smart. Like, yo, now let me ask you guys this. And yeah. this may be, I don't know factual. I do to a certain extent. So this could be an opinion-based question and, or maybe some facts. <laughs> do you guys agree that using marijuana would be better than using alcohol and they don't ban alcohol from these professional sports? No. Um, but use marijuana would be better. What? Say that again. Yeah, say that again. <laughs> okay, that, that didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on, oh, man. Oh, There's, oh, our oh, oh, There's our second one. There's our second one. All right, go ahead. What I'm saying is, like, they ban marijuana use from athletes, right? You can get suspended. You can get. I uh, have yeah, Ju- yep. Julian Edelman, but. They don't test for alcohol. And I would think that alcohol does more damage to someone's body than marijuana does. That's what so, I'm saying. So, like, so, would you yeah. so ban yeah. alcohol? Yeah. The thing about alcohol is there are so many people backing alcohol that that's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, liquor like, stores did more sales than ever before <laughs> in 2020 during quarantine. You ain't taking the liquor industry down. Dude, and, right. I didn't even think of that, bro. And there's so much, there's so much connected to it, man. You watch basketball games, there's a beer commercial, yeah. liquor commercials, all sorts of stuff. You know sponsored, what I mean? The freaking stadiums are sponsored by beer companies. And then, you know, eventually I think marijuana will catch up, mm. right? Because yeah. once the government, well, they probably already figured out a way to make money off of it. They're, they're taxing it and all that. Then it becomes all good. As long as the money is oh, flowing. money then. As long as the money is flowing, then it's all good. But what we don't realize, like something like alcohol, right? It's killing people. Like literally, it's killing people, yeah. right? Marijuana doesn't do that. 
right? Which is good, but you can become addicted. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For what sure. kind of annoys me about that whole situation is, you know, you have this, you know, this girl, you know, African-American girl who excels at her sport and mm-hmm. is well-educated. And I, I mean, I don't, like I said, I just saw the post on Instagram, probably like you did, Chris, but I mean, I would assume, you know, she has the work ethic. She has the right values. Like, you know, she wouldn't have gotten to where she's at just on talent. You know, there's a work ethic, there's a work ethic, there's a mindset that you kind of, that you have to have to perform at the level that she did. And I think for her to get banned for the board, you know, the Olympic committee to ban her for a month because she failed the drug test, it being marijuana. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what's this message you're sending to even just the younger generation? You know, it's like, no matter how hard you work, you know, no matter like the sacrifices you make, I mean, it could all just be taken away by something stupid like that. And it's like, yeah. you're making it seem like it's like horrible. Like she, like she like, like she did, like, yeah. like she did something yeah. really bad, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like the actions of sports. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the NCAA finally allows players now to make money off endorsements. And so they're like, yeah, they're on like, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've always been, you know, a big proponent of that because, you know, as a student athlete, it's a job, you know, he, I mean, yeah. workouts, practices, team meetings. And oh, yeah. for most of these universities, they want kids to get their degree. I mean, who was I listening to the Ed Milet podcast? And he had on the head football coach for Clemson. And he mm-hmm. was saying that their graduation rates for all their football players is like 98%. So they really push academics. So yeah. if you're getting these big time universities, NCAA makes lots of money off these, off these kids playing a game. And, you know, these kids have to do the work both in the gym, on the field, in the classroom, and what, maybe, you know, they get some free books and, you know, a free ride. Like yeah. at that point, it's just like, I don't know. It, Dude, it, I'm, it's, I'm happy. It's a it's, lot of work. Yeah. Man, Chris, did you play ball in college? Yeah. Yeah, I did. The, the question becomes, will, you know, the fact that they can make money, keep them in college. Right. Well, so yeah, the, yeah. Like the big time, the big dogs, right. You know, they're getting endorsements and all that. Do you think they stay all four years? Money is, is a mother, man. <laughs> it is. Hey, man, it makes the world go around, you know? It's you a mother, like, so now, it's so a, now you make... Are you saying, like, it's a root to all evil? It's a root to something. It's what pulls you from, from who you are. Definitely. It can. It can. It is a great tool to do that. Yeah. Right? People sell it, their it, soul it, for it. Exactly. And it, and, it, and it allows you to continue to reach for intern, for external things versus looking deep into yourself and, and figuring out who you are. I think those, those four years that you're in school, if you could potentially stay in school and work on yourself, could be beneficial yeah. to the adult that's going to come out the other end. And I'm just, talking, I'm just talking about it from a personal growth perspective. I don't think money can provide you internal personal growth, like wisdom. I don't think it can do that. I think this is really cool. I was listening to Big Sean. He was on this Joe Budden show. You know, you guys know who Joe Budden is? Joe Budden podcast or? 
I don't know if it's a podcast or he had it on YouTube. It was a video on YouTube. Oh, okay. I listened to the podcast. Oh, cool, cool. But Big Sean was talking about because last year or two years ago, he went through like basically a depression, like mm -hmm. was in a really bad place. Like he's talking about he just bought Slash's house in Hollywood yeah. Hills for like 15 mil, this and that. But he's talking about how just money, you know, he was, he finally got everything he ever wanted. You know, he'd mm -hmm. get the new car, he'd get the house and he was like, I'm fucking, I'm not happy. I'm not yeah. happy. And like, yeah. he had to go through like a, a deep spiritual, maybe not even spiritual, deep personal development journey. I'll call it that because that's, you know, it's, it's true, man. It's, it's just, it goes to show time and again that like money does not create the happiness. And that's the thing, right? This deep spiritual journey that you go through, money can't buy. But Chris, when you come, huh? Chris, you, I mean, you, you even said it, on the last podcast that we did, I mean, yeah. the, the inner city blues, you know, like there were so many guys that had the talent that couldn't make it out. I mean, most of those guys were driven. I would hope, you know, they were driven to kind of get out, but obviously maybe they didn't because of a work ethic, but it's the environment, right? It's like your upbringing and what you're kind of, what you see, what you see is your reality. So if yeah. all you see is you know, oh, I got a slang dope. All right. Like that's what I'm going to have to do if I'm going to survive and make money and make ends meet and, you know, live. And I feel like, especially I think when you're working with like the youth athletes or just younger people showing them like, Hey, sports could be your vehicle to get to where you want to go. Not just from the money perspective, but fulfillment, you know, because I mean, you see a lot of athletes nowadays, they're doing you know, they're entrepreneurs, you know, they're doing shoe deals, they're doing clothing lines, yeah. like they're doing music. Like, I mean, I feel like with social media, it kind of opens it up for players and people to showcase what they love and what they're passionate about and make a business out of it, make a brand out of it, not just as an athlete, but being an athlete was kind of like their platform that they could leverage. So I feel like, and I actually posted about this on my story the other day where it was like, you know, if you're an athlete and, you know, you want to actually be great at your sport, don't even just think about just trying to be great at your sport or be the best athlete. Like actually think long-term how being a great athlete is going to translate to the real world and how that'll translate to other avenues of business and things of that nature that you would want to pursue. And most kids don't even think about it, but these are the questions I feel I've noticed I've been asking my athletes more of. And yes. the dialogue is really interesting. For one, the first time I bring it up, they don't have no clue. But then after a while and they get comfortable with me, they start talking like, coach, like I was looking into this. I was looking into photography. I was looking into traveling. I was looking into this. And then like, you kind of start to see this thing in their eye that starts to kind of like, man, I actually haven't really been asked these questions, not even by my parents, Dude, you know? That's, and it's that's like, beautiful. And they kind of realize like, oh, wow, like actually, like I'm good at my sport. I could go to school, make money, and then utilize that same mentality as an athlete in business afterwards and pursue other ventures, you know? So I think when we look at sports, I think that's what, I mean, that's why I love sports and why I want to work with youth athletes is because if I had a coach like me when I was younger, shit, I know I'd probably be farther along in my life, but I take the wisdom that I've, you know, gained over the years, the mistakes I've made and the things I've learned and try to just share that with this younger generation and let them know like, Hey, don't just even just try to think about working 
out for your sport. Like think long-term how this is going to impact the rest of your life and the opportunities that it'll provide you to pursue things that you enjoy, whatever yeah. that is, you know? But see, see which, so, so I'm with you, right? I'm with okay. you. And I'm going to take it back, right? So our last conversation, we were talking about the environment kids are growing in and all that stuff, right? Yeah. The environment doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. The dope no. does not have to be there, right? It doesn't. But no. the way that we, that we take care of that is we inject people like you into those neighborhoods. How do we pay people like you to come to these, to these neighborhoods to talk to these kids, right? So instead of... You know what I mean? These endorsements and these and these companies trying to, to trying to pump money into college into college students, figure out programs that you can inject into the inner city so that the kids start thinking like that at like eight years old. Mm. Right. So now they become they become a Swiss Army knife. Not only are they playing ball and, and doing great and excelling at school, they're thinking about engineering. They're thinking about business. They're thinking about entrepreneurship. They're thinking about all that stuff. Yeah. Right. So that the evolution starts earlier than when and if they do make it. Because what you can see is you make it as a professional athlete. And then all of a sudden they become the entrepreneur because they have the money and they can do all that. Right. So that seed, right, has to be planted earlier. And the more folks like you that we can inject into inner cities and, and we can start having those conversations right? The earlier the process starts. And then that drug culture, that poverty kind of gets scrunched year by year. And then it just becomes a really small subset. And then now there's a greater mass of people living, you know, whatever below, whatever the the line is, right? But they live in clean neighborhoods. Their schools are doing well, right? The murder rate comes down, right? Because there isn't drugs and addiction out on the streets, right? It's really a process of really peeling back the layers and peeling and peeling until you get to the root of it. And at the root of it is we just don't know what we don't know. And it requires people like us to lend a hand and say, hey, meet Jake. I spoke to Jake. We're going to we're actually we're going to launch a program next summer where we're going to go to inner cities and we're going to run these strength and conditioning camps. And it's not only going to be strength and conditioning, but I also have a guy that's going to come in and teach the kids how to meditate. He's going to teach them about the four noble truths, the eightfold path, stuff that's going to Mm -hmm. get them to start thinking internally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because once that process starts, drugs, all that other stuff, you know why you're not doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you have self-worth. Self-worth. You have somebody that came from wherever they came from telling you that they love you, they have compassion for you and they care for you. So, you know, if you asked me this five, 10 years ago, I would have been like, hell yeah, let's give, let's give them money. Then I'm like, uh, now I'm just like, we need to figure out how to take this money and put it somewhere where we can allow growth from the bottom up. Cultivate it and, and teach them actually how to think, you know, different than what, yeah. they're, what they're exposed to. Yeah. Because if you have a conversation with a with a college student and you start talking about self-worth and like what's going on with you internally, that's the, the, the oh yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. But, and also too, that in itself can help the athlete with their performance. Yes. You know, because these, these, this, 
there could be some shit and by shit, like stuff that they're holding on to that yeah. is limiting their performance because it's hindering their mind in some way. Yeah. How do you start addressing trauma? Trauma is not meant to be just put away, man. Not yeah. meant to just be put away. Like you have these kids, 10, 11, 12 years old, that's gone through some, some stuff and they're taught to just put it away and don't think about it until you're 20, 25. And then all of a sudden you're beating the crap out of your wife and you don't even know why. You don't know why you did it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't it's... know why. And then you got the world looking at you like, oh, look at that monster. Yeah. No, that's not a monster. That has something happened to that boy or yeah. girl. Dude, yeah. I was just having this conversation with someone the other day like that. I don't think nobody is inherently born a bad person. No, say. no. Yeah. You know, or, or it's trauma. You know, it's like I was talking to my cousin because she works with young kids and does these girl pro these girls programs and so on. And I was saying that, like, you know, the young kids who are like six, seven, you know, the kind of like the crazy, tr maybe troublemakers in class. I can remember mm -hmm. this. It's like, what is their home life like? Like, what are, or do they even have parents who are around? You know, what, what's this kid being fed? Like, what's his diet like? You know what I mean? Yeah. All these factors that play into that stuff, you know? Yeah. Someone sitting there molesting them, right? right. Is that happening? Right? Because if it's happening, that's going to create something. That yeah. person's going to lash out at society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, we're kind of definitely getting into the realm of like, you know, psychology and like, I think obviously <laughs> let the audience know we're not psychologists at all. No, we're, no, no, we're, no, 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 we're, 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 we're strength and conditioning coaches at first, <laughs> but you know, I, I think if we really talk to professionals in the industry, for most of us, we got into it to help people and mm -hmm. training nutrition. is just a form of helping someone get better. And there are people that have gone through shit trauma that has yet to be resolved. So for a strength and conditioning coach, you know, the attitude for most people, it's like, well, that's not my job. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, mm -hmm. all right, like, like we're here to work. Like, and I get that too. I mean, I'm the same way to an extent where if I see an athlete who is definitely like struggling or, you know, just based how their nonverbal communication is and, and how they interact I mean, I'll go up to them and, you know, say, what's up and, you know, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, you know, anything exciting happened this week, you know, just, you know, make them feel better yeah. because yeah. maybe they don't get that. And yeah. Yeah. it's like, why are they there? You know, if they're eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, assuming mom and dad are working, right. I mean, obviously personal training is a luxury for most families. It's, it's, it's it not is. cheap. It so, is. you know, you're getting these kids from families that, you know, have money or, you know, there, there's some things that I think as a strength and conditioning coach, we never think about, which I think it's very unique on this podcast. We have three strength and conditioning coaches talking about this topic because for one, we train athletes. And number two, we train humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, we, we train that's, people. That's the number one thing, right? We're dealing with humans. Yes. Yeah. And I, I want to ask you both something. If you've ever had this experience, it's like, you know, Pat, you were saying you're going up to that, that kid and just kind of being like, Hey, like, how are you? What's going on? Like, yeah, I've had 
people, not even just clients, but people like, it's like when, and even myself, I've experienced this when someone says like, Hey, how, how are you doing? And, oh, good, good, good. No, no, no. Like, how are you doing? Like, how are you? Well, and I've had I mean, clients, I've had clients break down into tears. Like literally yeah. I've had people in my life cry. I've cried when my therapist is like, let me ask you again though. Like, like, how, how are you doing? And it's yeah. like, Oh fuck. You know, like, damn. Well, I think it goes back to what I, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I definitely think it goes back to what I said first, which was you got to cultivate that environment of, you know, expression, trust. They got to trust you before they kind of let out what's mm-hmm. really kind of going down. So I think, Oh, for sure. What is it? Uh, Brett Bartholomew always talks about like preaching communication and, you know, study how to communicate more effectively versus just learning what the latest, you know, program design tactic you can train for power development. Like those things are important for the job, but it's like communicating with the athlete, getting, building rapport, like understanding the person first, where they're coming from, you know, their mental state, meet them where they're at, build that trust by getting them results. Once they see the results, then they're more bought into, like I said, you as a coach, because they trust you, they're getting results. And now you start to develop that relationship where it's like, Hey, what are some things, you know, going on at home? That's kind of like, you seem distracted, like what's going on. And like having those kind of conversations, I think that's for, I think that's how organically it's going to happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, right. I, I don't think it's these types of conversations you just jump right into. No. I think you have, you have to have that rapport. You have to have that relationship first. And, you know, for any coaches out there that are listening to this, focus on the relationship rather than just trying to train the person and fit them to your program, whatever and it, and it, it is. Takes, it takes a level of vulnerability on the coach's side, right? We can naturally feel when someone is open mm-hmm. versus when someone is closed off, right? Mm-hmm. Because if yeah. we're closed off and, and it's ego driven, you'll see that result. But when you're open and you're welcoming, right? That's a whole different ball game. Now a person becomes comfortable with that, right? The human becomes comfortable with that and they find comfort in you, right? That equals to what we call trust. And so when you do ask them, you know, how are you, how, how's it going? How are you doing? And they spill their, and they spill their guts and they say, Hey man, I'm having a problem. You know, I, I smoke too much. Right. Then it's open to have, you're open to have that conversation because yeah. you could tell they were sucking wind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then they, they open, they open up to you and say, Hey man, you know, yeah, I, I have been, I have been smoking too much and, and blah, blah, blah. And then now you have a, have an open conversation about why is the smoking taking away from what you're doing? As soon as you have something taking away from what you truly want to do, there's a problem. There's, there's a problem. And how do we fix that? That's where it comes into peeling the layers of the onion back. Why, why are you doing this so much? Why is it taking away from your performance? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then you get down to the core of it, which is something that's happening internally, which leads me back to the reason why I say, we got to start working with the youth and teaching them these things. Mm, and we got to yeah. find a way to pay great coaches like you to do that. Yeah. I think one thing you kind of, I feel like I just tied it to the whole confidence thing where, mm-hmm. you know, you were kind of saying like, well, why are you smoking or why are you doing these things? All about validation. The kid yeah. is not smoking unless it's going to make them look cooler or uh-huh. look cooler. So it's just a natural 
byproduct of growing up and trying to fit in, wanting to be accepted, doesn't want to be alone with no friends. I mean, come on, we all, we all, we all were at a party and maybe we didn't want to do something, but you get peer pressured into doing something that you didn't want to do just because mm-hmm. you didn't want to be that guy or you didn't want to seem lame. And yeah. for a lot of these kids, I mean, like with social media now, I mean, you see everyone's life, the highlights. I mean, I mean, so yeah. everyone wants, everyone wants the, to show their highlights and it's like, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing. Look at me. Like I'm so cool. It was actually really funny. Me and Courtney were watching this documentary on uh, HBO. It's called American, American hustle. Thanks. American, <laughs> hustle. American hustle. And it's about all these young people, like kids, mm-hmm. high school kids, college kids that like this one guy, he was based out of Boston, I think, and, or New Jersey, I forget. He basically was just like a nerdy looking kid. He wanted to be popular. And so he figured, oh, I'll just start throwing parties. And it got to the point where this kid started managing clubs. Like he started clubs and for 18 year olds for, or 18 under 18 up and then 21 up. And he started basically networking, getting like, you know, G easy and like all these rappers to come. And like, it's a crazy documentary. I'm going to say, but he got, he went to prison for three years because he falsified a lot of the investors returns. He said Mm. like, he basically the money that was going into these, to the clubs to promote it and stuff like that. He would take money from friends and family and parents of friends and, you know, other business and investors. And Mm -hmm. he would basically have to pay everyone back with like a shark loan. (laughs) And he was was basically lying on like where the money was coming from, but he didn't know that was wrong. He just didn't, he was young. He was a kid, but it's crazy how it escalated just from the fact that he wanted to be popular. And I was just like, damn, like, obviously that's exactly, but it's crazy how far someone is going to go to just to feel accepted, just to feel validated, you know? Mm, Yep. And if that person didn't need that validation, that gift that he had could have been put to something else. Mm. Oh yeah. It was crazy. In the documentary, he was saying that all the, these like older people that lent like he cause he would like rent out spaces in the area yeah. like auditoriums and museums and like just certain things and you know these guys are obviously seeing this kid and be like okay like yeah sure like we'll rent it out to you for like a thousand bucks for the night and he yeah. ended up he ended up making like you know close to like 10 grand a night at these yeah. like clubs and stuff that he would promote and yeah. obviously these guys these business people are like oh shit this guy actually has a really good skill of like networking promotion marketing yeah. like he was a smart kid so yeah you're right what do you think he could have used that gift for in a positive way and not have to go to prison you know yeah. but yeah it's a trip man it's a trip yeah. what people are gonna do you know validation like baby yeah validation now, now chris have you actually Yo. had, had an athlete say that to you i was thinking about that they're like oh, coach I've been smoking, smoking? Too much. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. And my 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 thing is is the why, mm. and how is it affecting you? Mm. Is it affecting your performance? Yeah, it's affecting my performance. So then, why are you doing it? Right. If you can't answer that, there's a problem. Mm. And I'm not authorized to to fix that problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So that's why I said, if you have something that's, that is taking away from something that you love, we got to examine that thing, whatever it is. You know, uh, this is kind of a different topic, but do you mm-hmm. feel like, cause it relates to like, we are not authorized. We are not certified, board certified, mm-hmm. you know, psychologists. <laughs> like, there's a lot of like, I'm putting quotations on this too, coaches out there who I feel like market their work as like, as if they were psychologists, like licensed psychologists, you know? What do you mean? Like emotional, like some, some people are like, oh, I'm an emotional coach. Emotional, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, I feel like there's kind of, really? there's a fine line there. Chris, have you seen that? I've seen yeah. it. I see it all the time. I, da- like daily, I mean, you know? are we talking about like life coaches or like, well, emotional coaches? Is that what they advertise? Like on their bio? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. Oh shit, yeah, man. Damn. Oh, it's kind of like, I don't you know. I don't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that shit. Well, I mean, it goes back to that validation thing, right? Yeah. It's that it's, it's, Hey, I'm going to put a late, I want to put a label on everything that I do. Mm. Right. And if I think I can help you through your emotions, right. I'm going to put a label on that and say, I'm an emotional coach or whatever mm. you want to call it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. That's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, well, I feel like, like, how, like, you know, uh, sorry to cut you off, Pat, real quick. Like, you know, how there's like the business gurus out there, like quotations, gurus on mm-hmm. social media. And there's, you know, there's a guru for everything out there. And it's, yeah, how qualified actually is this person? Someone specializes in something. Yeah. But I think, I think a lot of, you see a lot of gurus now because it's, there's the barrier to entry is so low. Like if you got, <laughs> A camera. Yeah. Well, if you got a new iPhone, you can make some sick ass pictures. Dude, the you know, new get, iPhone is insane, bro. You can get a videographer to make cool videos of you doing something. And if you're really good with marketing yourself, you can sell something pretty easy for a lot of money. Like something that's like a really big pain point, like weight loss or relationship advice. I think what, what are the biggest sectors for like money? I think it's like personal development, weight loss and dating. Like those are like the three, mm-hmm. like big, yeah. Those are like the three big things that like, if you can package it in a way that's presentable and like, you know, it speaks to a particular group of people, shit, man. I mean, you can make a lot of money and then it's like a year or two goes by you cash in. All right. Close the website, close the Instagram. Boom. Yeah. Like you got that money now and now you're just chilling. You know, you invest that in other yeah. things. And I feel a lot of kids now like see that and they're doing that. And shit. I mean, I paid a, a guy like eight fifty for two months on like business coaching because he just DM'd me about, Hey, you know, I could help you get you know, more online clients. And oh, I, was I see a, a lot of that. And oh, I, and God. I, and I was oh, at a point, but, but, but let me finish. I was at a point where I was like trying really hard and I was struggling to get it uh, online clients. And so he got me and like, I was already, he just needed to ask. I was like the perfect, easy clothes to get. <laughs> right. Yo. But the thing is most, if you, but if you, if you think about it, I think as time goes on and you know, you're trying to make a business out of something, your reputation's everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to, you know, tarnish it by trying to make a quick buck by just 
marketing something really cheap and, you know, something you just kind of put together and put it out there. I mean, yeah, maybe you can make some good money and you can go, you know, live on a beach and drink Mai Tais for a couple of years. But at some point it's like, how fulfilled are you going to be? You know, like you're going to want to eventually do something. And it's like, when you go back out there and you put yourself out there again, and it's like, you burned a bunch of people and from, yeah, karma, your man. Bogus, and from your bogus shit. You're just yeah. going to eat that shit again. So it's like, it's just always funny to me when people think, oh, like, I'm just going to make this money real quick, get rich and yeah. shit and, and just do that. And it's like, and then just be done and not work. And it's just like, man, like yeah. you got Dude, it all wrong. I paid, when I first became a trainer, I paid $5,000 for a program. And it was all about like, making a lot of money, like selling high ticket, ticket clients, like online clients, man, it was good. It was a good program. It really helped me business wise. But I was like, man, five grand. The sales guy was like a savage. He was on it. I freaking refinanced my car. Damn. Damn. <laughs> yeah, bro. Fuck. So Pat, I, Pat, but no, but I can relate to that. Cause I was at a point where I was like, I want to start building my business. I just quit my job had no job yeah. lined up and yeah. became a trainer. So I'm like, I'll do anything right now. To Yeah. Well, you know, that's, what's how, crazy. They get you. that's how they get yeah, you. Yeah. You know, what's crazy. I don't know why that just popped in my head, but it made me think of some video I saw from a marketer and they would say like, you know, you want to kind of research your target market where they're at in life. So think about it. Someone like you who is working a nine to five that they hate and is trying to transition to working in, in the online space mm. right there, right? You got a problem that you want to solve. And so I remember he was saying like, you know, search on Instagram, like hashtag, like fuck the nine to five hashtag, like screw nine to five, like hashtag basically like someone like you who would post something about quitting their job new and targeting, pursuing this yeah. new endeavor. Yeah. Yeah just freaking target people it's like line, line them up. Line bow, bow, bow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I was kind of, and, and you know, it kind of, it's kind of funny, I guess now, like we put money into it and it's like, Oh, like it wasn't what it said it was, or maybe it just wasn't the program for us or whatever. Like looking back on it now, it's like, yeah. you kind of laugh, but it's like, damn, people are still doing that because more and more people are getting on social media. Like yeah. not everyone's on social media. Like, but it's growing, you know? Like, so it's like, when I, when I, when we started out virtual classes, I, I posted on LinkedIn, right? I, I did a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and then I would receive these messages from these guys talking about, yo, you want to make $10,000 a month getting yeah. clients, blah, 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 this and that. And it's just like, you're barking up the wrong tree, man. Because like, I don't care how fast or how slow I grow. I don't because move weight is, is my baby. And if, and if I die and it, and it doesn't do anything, I don't care. Right. But what's important to me is my mission. What's important to me is the people that I, that I touch, that I help, that I'm of service to, because that's my mission is to be of service to the universe. So I'm not looking to make money. So you, you're definitely barking up the wrong tree. Right. And for a guy that, that needs the money and, and so on and so forth, I could see how they can get you. For me, right. it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I want to make 20K a month. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, that, yo, at give that me that. time in my life, at that time, you know, it's like I was <laughs> yeah. young, I was like, you know, 23, like just starting out. So 
And then they get you with the testimonials. Hey, uh, let, I helped Jim. I helped Jim go from zero dollars <laughs> and zero clients to like, fifty. Dude, come on, like come Jim, on, Jim, man. Jim was sleeping on his mom's couch, and now, now he's got a mansion. Now he's got a mansion <laughs> in Malibu. <laughs> the hell yeah. out of here, man. Uh, damn, stuff, we were all uh, over the place today. Man, but I, that was, that was I a, think that was that was like probably one of my favorite podcasts we've done so far. Beyond honest, let's go, let's go. 